0: Hello. It is tenth of March, twenty nineteen, and this is episode ninety five of Scavengers' Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel,
1: and I'm Kirsty.
0: We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga.
1: How has your week in Star Wars been?
0: Pretty exciting. Again, like, it's sort of like half and a half this week in terms of how much has been room to focus on Star Wars stuff and how much has been real life stuff, because I'm visiting my family this week, and that obviously takes up a lot of one's time, but there's been a lot of Star Wars stuff happening. Specifically, the most exciting thing is that the first footage has emerged from Star Wars Episode 9. We have not seen it, just so people <laughs> don't get their hopes up, but we have descriptions of what was seen, and that is in itself quite exciting. So, yeah, like, I'm pretty psyched about that and looking forward to discussing it. How about you, Kirsty? Um,
1: same, pretty much. Like, obviously, there's resistance that's almost at the end of the season. So, mm, yes, I feel like we say it every week, but all oh, things are heating up, you know, it's getting yeah. exciting. But it really is. This week's episode was amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just getting higher and higher in terms of the benchmarks. It keeps hitting. And it's like, wow, how radical is this show going to get? And the answer is really pretty radical. So, yeah, I love it. It keeps on like far exceeding all my expectations for it, which is a great feeling to have about a show because it's really the only show at the moment, apart from the new Alan Partridge show, which is a different conversation entirely, <laughs> that, <laughs> um, that I'm watching week on week as it comes out because I just can't get enough. It's that good.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. People don't do that too often with shows anymore, do they?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll be like that with Game of Friends when it comes back. But that's like a basic mm. thing, because like, I feel like 60% of the population is like that with Game of Thrones. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. love Resistance.
1: Me too. I love Resistance so much that I actually changed my flights so that I would stay at Celebration for that Monday, because they've just announced the Resistance panel will be on Monday, as well as the Phantom Menace anniversary panel.
0: Oh, wait, you've really changed your flight. I did. Oh my God, Kirsty, oh, I am so pleased. Oh, it's my- not,
1: yeah, it's not that much more money because it's obviously a domestic flight. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it because. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll be sad if I miss both of those.
0: Yeah. Now that's really awesome. Like for selfish reasons, I'm glad to have you around a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going back a bit later on the Monday?
1: No, I'm going to stay until the Tuesday now.
0: Awesome. No, that's really great. I'm looking forward to it. Yay. Yay. Oh, that's such a genuinely nice surprise, though, because, yeah, that was news to me as well. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it after the Phantom Menace one, then I was like, okay, well, that will probably be the, the only big panel that day. And when they announced Resistance, I was like, okay, I've got to do it. <laughs> it's just, I, I'd i made the false assumption that the last day would be the more quiet day, but looking mm. at how things are shaken out, it might actually be the case that the Thursday is the quieter day. Yeah, And they're, like, easing people into things. So...
0: I think that's right. I think that's the sort of, like, you can go in and see the floor day, but I don't think there will be, like, big panels or anything like that then. I think it's going to be pretty chill. Which would be nice, really, sort of, like, induction. It's like Freshers' Week at uni. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) we we don't expect you to actually do anything today, but just wander around and say hi to people and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it'll still be fun.
0: I'm definitely glad we're going to be there for the full experience. I think it'll be a really great time. Um right okay so I think we can move into the news so the first thing to discuss is that the first footage of episode nine has been revealed at a shareholders meeting and we're going to discuss most of this here but we're also going to take a judgment call on perhaps some things we might want to ease into a slightly more spoilery discussion and if we do that then we'll have a separate conversation at the end of the show because we're very conscious of preserving people and keeping them safe from spoilers. Um yeah, so would you like to explain how the reports of what was shown came about, Kirsty?
1: Yeah, I saw them via Slimo. She Mm -hmm. was retweeting this guy. I'm not sure how she found him. He must have used a hashtag at some point or maybe I don't know, just used some words and that's what people were searching for. Yeah. Um so it's a guy called Scott Ladwig on Twitter who was obviously at the meeting and got to see this footage, which is very exciting for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, was happy to engage with fans and kind of respond to them. So people were asking follow-up questions. I think he, he's even been on Steel Wars this week. Yeah. Interviewed. I think he's enjoying his, what he called his, his 15 minutes of internet fame. So that's great.
0: He's really lovely. He's so sweet. Uh, He seems to be making a real effort to reply to absolutely everyone. Like, I sent him, like, a desperate, clutching, like, message, which in the end was kind of redundant because someone else who was at the meeting answered my question without me even asking it, if that makes sense. They posted the information I wanted, essentially. Um, okay. But he still got back to me, which is really kind, and yeah he's just a bang up dude so i'm very grateful for people like him who are generous enough to share their experience of this extremely exclusive event because i don't think any old shareholders can just rock up to this meeting i presume you need to be in some sort of group of a certain level like i'd think if you owned like ten dollars in disney shares i think you'd struggle to get in basically
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's just this kind of weird situation. I know we had this for the Last Jedi as well, mm-hmm. um, where that was kind of like the first example of the footage that was like out there, but wasn't really out there. Yes. So you're like hearing about it secondhand, but it's like such slim pickings at this point that you'll take anything you can get.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like give me the crumbs. <laughs> yeah, so they truly are using a starvation tactic with us right now. <laughs> like, not not even a title, guys. It's like, come on. Yeah. This is ridiculous.
1: I I I think I've been wrong when i've said like oh they'll have to release the title before celebration because otherwise it would leak because Mm. we're less than a month away now yeah so i think they might just wait make us suffer
0: yeah i kind of feel like it becomes a little bit redundant almost to release the title now when celebration's so close i feel like it would be more impactful to just save everything and then just have this huge star wars bomb go off basically With these tweets, it's quite hard to figure out how to um, talk about them because they came out in quite piecemeal fashion, Um, although I'll have a go at organising it by themes and topics and then we'll talk about them according to that. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Right, so first of all, we'll talk about a few Kylo Ren-themed tweets. So... In one tweet he said Kylo Ren is in a white room looking at the Vader helmet and then he elaborated he said Kylo was in a room like in the rebel blockade runner style that bright white and he's looking down as a box or container opens to reveal the charred Vader helmet and then he clarifies that Kylo is not wearing a helmet And we only saw Kylo in one scene and he looked pretty much the same in terms of outfit and general appearance. That's my clarifications, that's what he's talking about, as far as I can recall. And then he added a little bit. So a suggestion is that the white room we saw Kylo in could be hearkening back to Vader's meditation chamber. That's not a bad idea. And finally, hmm, Kylo didn't look sad so much as he looked pained, looked like he was having a bad day. To me, my response to that is, when does it look like Kylo's having a good day? I don't exactly. think it does.
1: <laughs> he always looks pained.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd kind of be troubled if we were seeing like Kylo like, super happy and optimistic looking. It just... Me like no. As in I don't want to see him super happy and optimistic looking while he's with the first order. I want him to be as like depressed as hell (laughs) when he's on that side. So if you want to be happy you need to go to the good guys. Thank you very much. So yeah, what was your thoughts on these Kylo tippets, Kirsty?
1: Um, I like that we're coming back to the Vader helmet. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to bring things full circle there Yes, um, and interesting to think about how that kind of scene might play out because it's obviously going to be a lot more than what they're hinting at
0: Yes, right definitely. now.
1: So yeah, he's continuing to contemplate his legacy and what that means because so far, obviously, we know through the films that he's been connected to Vader as like the source of strength on the dark side. Um, but it raises all these questions about how much he does know about Anakin and Padme and his grandfather's redemption yeah Mm.
0: no you're right it's quite a striking image and I could definitely see why they would choose that as a part of the early promotion for the film um, one of the most interesting things about it to me is that it really telegraphs that Kylo is not adopting his own mantra, so he might have been saying, no, of course not. let the past die <laughs> but he's absolutely not letting it die <laughs> um, yeah, which is so interesting to me on so many levels because yeah, I guess he saw a future in Ray. War- in he saw a new path with her but when she was like, <laughs> no um, He's like, what do I have left? And then it looks like this film is going to tell us, well, all he has left is a depressing old mask that belonged to his granddad. And it's really sad and depressing. So yeah.
1: It is, but I wonder if it's... Because the way he talked to it in The Force Awakens kind of implied that he'd been getting some kind of communication from it. And it's hard to know how literal that was or yeah. if it was just like this metaphorical my grandfather's spirit is guiding me or at least what he thought was his grandfather's spirit because obviously we know from Return of the Jedi that Anakin returned to the light side and was a force ghost. Yes. So, you know, I highly doubt he was actually trying to persuade Kylo to do bad things. (laughs) Yes. Maybe it was Snoke using that identity to trick him or manipulate him further or Mm. Kylo somehow thinks that Vader's guiding him when he's not at all. Yeah. Um, i just love that to end up being a twist. I know I'm still beating the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost cameo appearance. That would just be amazing. Mm, yeah. I, but I'll also have to prepare myself for those kind of things not coming true because there's nothing to base it on. It's just like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing?
0: Yeah. It's nice to have hopes. It's <laughs> just, yeah, it's just a question of, Making sure that you're not too bummed out if those hopes do not come to to fruition, which I I think you'll be good at. So and you know
1: I'll deal with it because I think just having a glimpse of this helmet kind of indicates to us that they're going to revisit that storyline, no matter how it's actually executed. Yes. So that doesn't bother me. Again, you know, in the past people have been like, "Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if Natalie Portman made a cameo somehow as Padme, whether it was in a flashback or somehow they did some Force Ghost magic there or something like that?" But it doesn't have to be done that. Exact way, it can be a reference or Yeah. You know, a character just thinking about a character in that way. So
0: Yeah. Exactly. There's all kinds of ways of tackling these themes and like echoes from history in Star Wars. And yeah, he can either be really bold (laughs) with those echoes, as in like have a literal cameo from one of the old actors, or go more subtle and symbolic and yeah whatever the case I think it will be well done and I'm very curious to see how it's handled because yeah like I did see back in the Force Awakens days lots of theories about what that Vader mask was actually doing to Kylo and like you suggested Kirsty, whether it was sort of an actual communication that was going on between them or whether it was purely in Kylo's own mind that he found some sort of solace in it and I do think that's a fascinating idea if there is an actual Dialogue of some sort going on there, and whether that's a destructive dialogue or a constructive one. And mm-hmm. yeah, maybe if it was Snoke who was talking to him through it before, then that's gone, and maybe the good Anakin voice can break through and t- talk some sense into him. <laughs> I'd like that. So,
1: yeah, that could be really powerful. I also like the symbolism of him being in a white room as well.
0: Yeah, exactly, and unmasked, which is also quite yeah, striking. Course. Um, because, yeah, it always struck me as incredibly funny in The Force Awakens that he was in his private room still wearing the mask and talking to another mask. It's just layer upon layer of absurdity. I love it. It completely suits Star Wars and the tone that they're going for. And for the sake of the narrative in that film, you couldn't show Carlo's face at that stage because the whole point is that it's revealed for Rey and you lose that impact if we just see him, like, bumbling around without it before. Um... But yeah, it's really nice that he's being depicted in that more humanising way in this sort of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I also like that they'll be showing Adam Driver's face in the promotion, because if they're showing this sort of scene with him so very early, I think we're absolutely going to see more maskless Kylo in promo and trailers and stuff, which makes me happy.
1: So. Yeah, I think we'll get a bit of both because this is like the central question for episode nine, right? Well what, yeah. what is Kylo Ren going to choose to do? Is he gonna to choose to become Ben Solo again?
0: hmm Um
1: obviously we'd think so, but that is the question, yeah. really. Because I mean obviously the main character is Ray, but to an extent we know that Ray, Finn, Poe they're all gonna stay on the good side. <laughs> like there's yeah. not a huge question about their allegiances. Um, at least in terms of you know, the the overall conflict of the war and light side versus dark side. But for Kylo or Ben, there is. Yeah. Um, so I think the mask is a pretty powerful symbol of that.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about the Kylo stuff?
1: Um, I don't think so right now. Obviously, there'll be other things that we might want to comment on later that relate to spoilers and rumours that are out there at the moment and whether they tie into these.
0: Right. Then we have a few other details. So one of the key shots or sequences that people talked about is that there is Ray, Finn and Poe in the Falcon cockpit. And then it was also added that there was a fourth person with Ray, Finn and Poe in the cockpit, but they didn't get a good look. Um, And apparently the scene showed Poe walking into the cockpit. I think someone else said that the fourth person might have been Chewbacca. Oh either Chewbacca or Naomi Yaki's character. I've seen slightly conflicting reports because there's a few people who saw this footage. And while Scott is the main guy who's been giving us information, there's tidbits from other people as well. And yet one of these other tweeters said that there was some dialogue and they reported it as Ray saying, it's too dangerous, I'm going alone. And then Poe saying, we're going together. Is that, of course.
1: That's like a very Harry Potter moment.
0: Yes, exactly. We're
1: coming with you, Harry.
0: (laughs) We can't leave you to face him alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is highly expected, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. It's like, yep, sure, it's the good guys all in the Falcon together saying noble, heroic, good guy things.
1: Yeah, it's the stuff that's very safe to show early on, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's nice and it's cool to... Get confirmation that there will be that dynamic on screen in terms of having Ray, Poe, and Finn doing stuff all together for the first time. But I feel like that wasn't really in doubt after how The Last Jedi ended. I'd have been very surprised if they'd separated all those characters again in the same way that The Last Jedi did. Mm. So I do think there will be separation and different pathways for them again. Of course, yeah. But yeah, there will also be scenes where they're all working together as a team.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it is Chewy who's the other person because from that photo that JJ first shared on Twitter right at the beginning of filming, it mm-hmm. was Chewy as well in the Falcon, wasn't it? Along with Finn and Poe.
0: Yeah, which would make sense because I'd also imagine that most of this stuff is going to come from pretty early in the film. You can't always guarantee that, of course, but if they're showing it now, it's going to be such, such safe stuff to show the public. So yeah, it's not really going to have spoilery implications. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was one of the earliest parts.
1: Although, mm-hmm. you know, in the the stuff that they showed to shareholders for the Last Jedi, it was obviously without context. So yes. it would have been hard to guess the true parts of the story that it was referring to. But there was that moment where uh, I can't remember the exact way they described it, but it was something like Ray looks distressed and she's surrounded by falling embers and lights. And obviously now we know that that's towards the end when her and Kylo have beat the guards and are in the phone room and he's just crushed her dreams by saying, no, I won't. Come to the light side, you need to come to, with me and work with me on the dark side.
0: Oh my god, yeah, you're right, that's so interesting. You say that because I remember reading about that shot, and for the longest time, I thought, Oh, they must have cut that because I don't remember anything like that. Oh, in the film. really? Yeah, I genuinely yeah. thought that, but now you've described it like that. It's like, Of course, it's from that scene. <laughs> yeah, like... I
1: think a lot of people at the time thought, Oh, well, that must be like when she goes into whatever version of the dark side cave that she has on act two yeah
0: exactly and i think that's why i didn't make the connection because i had this i had the thought in my head that it was going to be something from this like astral plane that it wasn't Mm going to be like a literal environment but no it was very literal it was a thing that happened
1: that's the thing things happen they move so quickly that as much as these people are able to take in there's no context for what they're seeing, so yeah. and it's really just a couple of seconds, if that, so, yeah, you know, we can have a description of it, but <laughs> it's really hard to say whether it's from the first or the third act, or who the characters are with at the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the only thing that makes me think it's likely to be early, because the shot clearly showed, like, a big group of characters all together. And yeah. if there was anything spoilery about a certain configuration of characters being in the same space together, they would not have shown that. So, yeah. And no. and again, for the reasons we've mentioned, it's not spoilery to show Ray, Finn and Poe together because, duh, of course they're going to be together. But yeah, it just shows they feel particularly comfortable about sharing that footage.
1: Mm-hmm yeah makes sense I'm still excited to see it though because we haven't seen all of those characters together in that kind of situation yet so
0: yeah I think they're going to be playing that up in terms of the camaraderie aspect which would be cool because we've already heard there's going to be all out war and (sighs) that sort of thing so yeah you're going to have to show us who the factions are in this case and who people are fighting with and what they're fighting for and that sort of thing so I think that will come to play along those lines
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: and then we have a few like disparate shots described. Um, we see Lando briefly. We see Ray with Chewie's bowcaster. And we see Finn in some abandoned looking ship interior. And then a little bit more about Lando. I think he was on the Falcon. Just a quick view of him from the shoulders up. And then another person who was at the meeting said, Lando was on the Falcon. It looked like it was his first time back on it by how he ch- kind of touched the wall. So, yeah, that seems very much like they're going to echo that moment of Han being reunited with the Falcon in The Force Awakens. They're going to show that moment of emotional connection between Lando and his ship, which would be nice.
1: Mm -hmm. And L3.
0: Yes, I was literally just thinking that. I was thinking, like, okay, so did... Pablo like desperately tried to get JJ's attention say um look JJ now in canon the, you see the falcon it kind of absorbed the consciousness of this robot who used to be best for pals with um Lando and actually, and maybe pa- something more yeah I was about to say potentially his lover um so yeah the connection between Lando and the falcon has actually got all these other dimensions do you think you could maybe get Billy Dee to sort of evoke that in his performance and then JJ's like <laughs> no like I don't think it'd actually be like that, but I just think it'd be a funny conversation.
1: <laughs> it could be a very subtle thing, because it's like, the audience who, you know, have seen Solo and remember that element of it, they could like, kind of be projecting that onto it a little bit with, with, with the emotion of him coming onto the Falcon. But you're right that it'll probably be quite similar to how Han and Luke come on, you know, all this bittersweet memories and missing their friends and stuff, so...
0: Yeah, exactly. It'll be quite an emotionally loaded moment. So I'm not at all surprised to see them exploiting that in trailers and promo because, yeah, got to hit those feels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll have more to say about Ray with Chewie's bowcaster later. Um, I really don't think in isolation as much we can say. And then Finn in some abandoned-looking ship interior. Again, like, I really... It's just too disparate from everything else to know what to say about it. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I mean, it could be all sorts of things. My first thought was that maybe they're on Jakku.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's but, a good idea.
1: But yeah, that there are many possible avenues and explanations. So, I'm not going to get attached to anything.
0: Very sensible. <laughs> Yeah. And then another disparate comment. We see a marketplace scene with Ray walking through and some aliens. Okay. I'd like to see that. Ray on a shopping trip. <laughs> Sounds quite nice.
1: Yeah, is that like the, the Wadi Rum location then?
0: I think so. I think there was sort of like a marketplace set up there. Although it's kind of hard to remember offhand. Um so I would bet on it being in the desert place. And actually, I think I remember s- another person saying that they kind of saw sand on the floor of that shot, which yeah would very much indicate Wadi Rum. Right. Um. Yep. Yeah. And then the last one is that there was a really cool clip of Daisy doing wire work, jumping and turning a somersault high up in the air with a lightsaber. So, sure sounds cool.
1: Yeah. That sounds almost like Prequels choreography.
0: It does. It sounds very acrobatic. Like, I wonder who's been teaching Ray that, though. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it sounds like some cool choreography, and I'm sure JJ's going to try and come up with something really special because he's going to be looking at that Praetorian Guard fight in The Last Jedi and be like, oh man, I really want to do something that comes close to this, and it's going to mm-hmm. be quite a tall order.
1: Yeah, exactly. He has to top it and Ryan raised the stakes for sure
0: so exactly a high standard has been set (laughs) okay cool yeah so do you have any like closing or summative thoughts on these tweets
1: mostly that I wish I'd seen it
0: (laughs) yes trying not
1: to be too jealous of these shareholders yeah um but yeah it's just exciting and it'll be you know a few weeks and we'll see some footage it probably won't be exactly the same kind of thing um but in a similar vein, I think that like it'll all be stuff that's relatively safe to show in terms of not giving away huge plot points. Yeah. So if you look back at the Last Jedi teaser, it did give you like something of an overview to like where Luke's state of mind was, um, the various locations, and that. But big things were kept under wraps. Really. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Honestly, like one of the most vivid memories I have of the experience of watching the live stream of Celebration 2017, I was thinking, the teaser's all right. But to be completely honest, I'm way more excited about that poster.
1: <laughs> the poster is a work of art. I-, I don't beautiful. know how we are going to top that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they do.
0: Oh, my God. I just remember, like, hearing the crowd. And obviously, it must have been even more overwhelming for you because you were actually there in person. But just, like, the room going absolutely apeshit when they saw that poster. Mm-hmm. It must have been really magical
1: yeah do you know what's also exciting when we get behind the scenes stuff because do you remember last not last summer the year before when we got that behind the scenes clips and we were trying to figure things out from it and Mm -hmm. it looked and it turned out to be right it looked like adam and daisy were training to work together
0: yeah because
1: they were fighting people who were using similar weapons and there was a similar amount of people like work you know working against them that we were like wait a minute yeah. Are going to be fighting those guys together? Yeah. And it turned out to be true. So it's like, you can kind of figure things out. Yeah. From what they show you. Exactly. If, yeah, if you're that cool, <laughs> like yes. us, and you, you spend time looking at it frame by frame. <laughs> so
0: very cool. <laughs> yeah, no, nerd and proud. It's lots of fun. Um, But yeah, no, so I'm super psyched to see this too. And yeah, I'm sure that when we get footage at celebration it'll be even more than this, to be honest. So that alone makes me pretty hyped. So yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Um okay, cool. So yeah, would you like to introduce the next story, Kirsty?
1: Sure. So um again it was as a result of Slimo retweeting this. I saw it on Twitter. Um that Matt Smith had been interviewed by someone, um, mm-hmm. Emily Zemler. And she said One takeaway, Matt Smith is not in the next Star Wars movie, despite reports to the contrary. He told me, as far as I can tell, I'm definitely not. And then in parenthesis, she says, although maybe we'll be surprised by his secret keeping him December.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Which is kind of strange because it's obviously not outside the realm of possibility. He might not be in it. Yes. But it was reported originally b- by Variety, who are generally trustworthy. It wasn't officially confirmed by Lucasfilm. Yes. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, but there's this interview with Richard e. Grant from the Radio Times a few months ago. Um, this Radio Times interview, it says, the film also offers the opportunity for a reunion between Grant and former Doctor Who star Matt Smith, who has also been confirmed to star in Star Wars nine around six years after the pair clashed as the doctor and the great intelligence in the bbc sci-fi series yes we were in a christmas special and another episode together grant says but will they share any scenes again i would be fired if i told you anything about that he smiles
0: it seems like a very weird response if matt smith is not appearing in the film doesn't
1: it yeah because wouldn't he have just said oh i don't know where you heard that from he's not in the movie
0: yeah Exactly, so I kind of feel like that gave the game away, inadvertently, because presumably if, say for the sake of argument that Matt Smith is in the movie, he's just been told that he's not allowed to say it publicly, because for whatever reason his role is top secret, to the extent that it has to be kept secret that he was even cast, like, if that's the case, then, yeah, I think Richard E. Grant kind of let the cat out of the bag with this comment, because... Yeah, I, d- I don't know how else to read it, basically. It's all a bit confusing.
1: <laughs> well, it's structured a little weirdly the way that they've actually put together the interview because they haven't said what the direct question was. Or Do, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like there's a plausible deniability here where he can be like, oh, I got the wrong end of the stick. I didn't realise that's what you were asking about. Yeah. Because they're also talking about Doctor Who. and So, I don't know, it's a strange situation and we're wearing our tinfoil hats and... <laughs> Don't want to sound too conspiracy theory here but it's just like oh okay i guess we've just got to see what happens now
0: yeah i think if the original report had come from anywhere besides like a trade like variety who are normally so so reliable for these sorts of things i think i would be more like inclined to believe his claim to this journalist that he wasn't in the movie Like, if it was from Cosmic Book News or something, because, oh yeah, that was clearly nonsense. There was never any solid foundation. But I think if he was cast in the movie, and, say, then he dropped out, I think that there would have been another report from Variety saying Matt Smith departs the project, or it didn't work out for some reason.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, he could have just been replaced by another actor and it not really be picked up. Perhaps. I'm kind of undecided now. Like, maybe he's in it, maybe he's not.
0: Yeah. It's like um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like Sir not appearing in this film, kind of. So, (laughs) yeah, we will have to wait and see ourselves. Um, But yeah, it's funny because in terms of reports, and this isn't spoiling anything, there's been like almost no information about Matt Smith's character. There's been plenty
1: in leaks that are clearly fake.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, And it'd be so funny if that's because Matt Smith is not actually in the film, so therefore there's nothing to report on. Um, But yeah, you've reminded me. It's quite funny, actually, because um, I know you don't look at Mike Zero videos and I don't watch them, but occasionally I will go and look at the thumbnails of his videos because they're very entertaining. And I could swear that about one in three of like his last two months output, they've all probably had like Matt Smith images in the thumbnails. And if it turns out that Matt Smith is not even in the film, I'll just pee myself. It would be so funny. (laughs) Oh dear. Yeah, magical memories. (laughs) yeah and of course there's also the possibility that he's talking around it and that is actually a sort of situation where maybe he's doing a voice for a character so while physically matt smith might not appear in the film he does still have a role in it so it could mm, be yeah no, maybe yeah maybe yeah he's sort of talking around it but yeah <laughs> we'll see
1: yeah it's just a funny situation
0: it is like i guess we're going back into mystery box territory now and yeah we need to get used to it okay cool so then we have another story about galaxy's edge and yeah would you like to read this out Kirsty?
1: uh yeah this is from gizmodo star wars galaxy's edge will open may 31st at disneyland in anaheim california and august 29th at walt disney world in orlando florida Guests planning to visit Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland Park between May 31st and June 23rd will need valid theme park admission and will be required to make a no-cost reservation, subject to availability to access the land.
0: Yep, so I'm really surprised by how early these theme parks are opening. It's very striking. We knew they were going to open ahead of what we originally believed, Um But, yeah, there are some caveats attached to this. The first one being what Kirsty just read out about the fact that you need to make a reservation, which I think is clearly going to be a crowd control measure and it seems very sensible. Um, And the second is that one of the two rides at the park, the Rise of the Resistance ride, won't be ready upon opening, which is quite intriguing. And, yeah, what I've seen people saying is that this looks like it's going to be a soft opening for the park. In terms of they want to kind of like ease people into it because they know there's going to be huge demand so they quite understandably want to try and figure out ways of how best to manage the crowds and i do think it makes a lot of sense to do that when there's one less attraction available as well So it's like you need to be kind of hardcore to go this early when you're not actually going to get the full experience yet
1: yeah or you're just planning a trip anyway and you're like oh i may as well make a reservation yeah. I don't know how easy it will be to do that. I don't know how in demand they'll be, but um, if you're already going and it's right there, why not?
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely something to take up if you have the opportunity. Like I certainly wouldn't be like, oh, I'm fine. I can skip it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, no, give it to me. Um, but yeah, no, it's great for the people who can go to the parks, especially so early. It's really striking to me. Um, But yeah, I also, again, and maybe this is slightly conspiracy-first of me, but in the back of my mind, I have the idea that maybe the reason they're not going to make Rise of the Resistance available so early is not just because it won't be ready, but it's also because maybe that ride will have a few more story implications going on, and they don't want to quite let that out so very early, because it's still going to be like six months ahead of Episode Nine, And yeah, maybe they want to reveal that ride a bit closer to the time when they're really in hype mode for the next movie
1: yeah maybe I hadn't thought about that I just kind of figured they've got most of it ready and if they know that people will want to go regardless so why not make that available to people and it's kind of nice to you know have a scheduled date for when things are going to be ready and then actually it's ready a lot sooner yeah like it it makes them look good so
0: exactly <laughs> they're yeah. ahead of schedule yeah it's all going to be nice and bright and shiny and new so yeah that's pretty epic uh right okay then do you want to read out about the next story which is about the animation panels that have been revealed for star celebration sure so um
1: it looks like sunday april 14th is going to be dave filoni and special guests celebrating the return of the clone wars and sharing an exclusive sneak peek um on saturday it's filoni vanessa marshall tia and taylor gray for the star wars rebels remembered panel because it's already been a year since rebels finished it's kind of crazy um Although the series is over, and there won't be a surprise announcement of a new series during this panel, we'll never forget the characters who deepened our knowledge of the Force, made us laugh and cry, and gave us hope. I do like how they're preemptively managing expectations and saying, don't expect a new announcement.
0: Yeah, I think that's really smart, because otherwise people would go in and just end up being deflated, and it's just like, why do that to people? You don't want to end up with unhappy people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, and they shouldn't really, because a lot of people love Rebels and just want to celebrate it. Yeah, so it should be about that, not necessarily something mm-hmm. new coming. Exactly. And on Monday, April 15th, it's time to join the Resistance for a look back at the shocking season one finale and a preview of the second season of Star Wars Resistance, with the executive producers Justin Ridge, Athena Portillo, Brandon Norman, and members of the cast, including Christopher Sean, Susie McGrath, Scott Lawrence, Mina Velasco, and Donald Faison.
0: I am so happy we are going to be able to go to the Stars for Resistance I panel together.
1: Well, I, I hope we can. I still don't know how easy it's going to be to get into panels, mm, but yeah, I would really love to.
0: Yeah. Like, to be completely honest, I think we'd be fine with the Resistance panel, because don't get me wrong, there is a passionate fan base for that show, but I think it's c- quite comfortable to say that the demand for that panel will be nowhere near the level of, like, the demand for the episode nine.
1: <laughs> oh, of course it won't be for episode yeah, nine. But of course.
0: And I guess it also depends on the space they use. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. For
1: Orlando, some of the rooms were really quite small.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, I've heard that, well, I think the Chicago one's meant to be the biggest in the country. So hopefully there's enough space for everyone who wants to go. Yeah. But it's a month away and we still have so little information on how that stuff's going to work logistically. Yeah. So
0: i fingers crossed. It's getting a little aggravating to be honest at this point. It's like, come on <laughs> It's like let me paid good money. But yeah, I'm really excited. Most of all for the resistance panel, to be honest. Um I'm not even sure I'd try to get into the others because yeah, I just haven't seen them. So it's kind of like it would be lost on me, I think. And there's people out there who would be much more desperate to go. Although again if friends were going I'd probably join them and if it weren't like an all night wait or something because I'm not going to queue overnight to go to a Rebels panel Um, but yeah the Resistance one I'm 100% there and especially if they well actually that's not an if they are very likely to show like the first episode of the second season and I think based on how things are ramping up now towards the end of the first season I think we're going to be really really hungry for that episode
1: yeah Although chances are, for the first episode of a new season, it might just be like easing you in, and I I enjoy those kind of episodes. It doesn't have to like jump into the action. I really enjoyed the first few of Resistance season one. Yes, but yeah, just something to keep in mind in case we're expecting like some craziness.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. It'll probably be like Kaz rescues a baby seal, but <laughs> who knows? Because they
1: might not even be on the Colossus by then. Yeah,
0: no, we don't exactly. Know what I think it will be like the world turned upside down sort of situation, which I want because I like chaos to reign. So yeah, that'd be fun. Um, And So yeah, would you say you're most excited for the resistance panel out of these, Kirsty? Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Are you kind of in the same bow where you'd probably be like, take it or leave it for the first two?
1: Oh, to actually attend them? Yes. I'm, I'm not going to attend them.
0: Okay, cool. That's I- just
1: too much. You have to be really selective. Yeah. Um, and I will definitely watch the panels when I have a chance. Yeah. But I, I don't need to go to them in person.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel the same. So, yeah, that's good. I feel like that's a weight off my mind. Okay, cool right then the next story is more celebration news and this time it's about a couple of names who will be coming in and actually we can add a few to this because since i prepared the notes there's been a few more announcements um so the first batch of people are paul bettany who was dryden voss in solo riz ahmed who was bodhi rook in rogue one and then hermione caulfield who was tally lintra in the last jedi um yeah and could you name the other two people who've been announced since Kirsty?
1: Yes, it's Aaron Kellyman who's Ness in solo, and Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah,
0: which is pretty big gets, to be honest. Uh-huh. I- I'm especially excited for Ahmed Best, given like everything that's come out about his experience of Star Wars, and particularly the Star Wars fandom after the Phantom Menace. I think it's really awesome that he feels like able to be there. And yeah. yeah, I think he'll get a hero's welcome. So yeah, and it makes a special sense for him to be there, given it is 20 years since The Phantom Menace. So I think we can safely say he will be on that panel.
1: <laughs> uh, he's confirmed that on Twitter. Someone asked him. Oh, so.
0: excellent. Cool. That is awesome. So yeah, who out of these names are you most, are you most excited for, Kirsty?
1: Oh, I don't know, because it depends if they're going to be on panels or behind autograph. Things that I probably won't be able to pay for.
0: Yes, exactly. Um,
1: um, I'm I'm excited for all of these, to be honest. Yeah, I really like Tally, even though she's barely in the movie. Yeah, I think she makes a big impression.
0: Yeah, I think she'll be getting her own line of books at some point. It's just inevitable at this point. You just know it's going to happen. Hopefully. Yeah.
1: Um, and I I really like both Paul Bettany and Riz Ahmed as well. So.
0: Yeah. No God, like I would love to meet Paul Bettany. He's such an icon great. I love him. Just I think to- Riz Ahmed is, like, too
1: pretty. Like, if I saw him in person, I I don't even know what I would do. He's, <laughs> just like, too attractive to look at directly.
0: <laughs> like the sun.
1: <laughs> so
0: You'd have to go with, like, protective goggles or something. <laughs> I'm just trying to think what Paul Bettany film I'd, like, single out to discuss with him, if I met him. Obviously, I know you wouldn't realistically have a chance to discuss anything with him, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, oh, Paul, I loved you in Inkheart <laughs> <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in a long time.
1: It's Geoffrey Chaucer at A Night's Tale for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's a much better role.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious.
0: Yeah, no, he's so talented. He's great. And yeah, Erin Kellyman is a real star. I think she's going to become a big name, to be honest. So I also saw her in the BBC Lemmys as mm-hmm. Eponine. And yeah, she was just fabulous in it. She's so, so good.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad that she's going because, obviously, the the nature of how Solo deals with the Enfys Nest reveal means that she couldn't do any press beforehand. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's like, well, you don't get a chance to really... So fans have been, like, champing at the bit for, you know, more information about her, more interviews, and there hasn't been anything. So hopefully we get a lot of content from her here.
0: Yeah. And... My dream would be some sort of, like, Enfis Nest spin-off for Disney+. Plus, Maybe not just about her, but, like, about the whole underworld in that period of time. And, yeah, it would just be so cool to see Erin on a panel announcing that. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's I get a star in a show. Woo!
1: Yeah, because there's still so much mystery around that.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to fill in and it wouldn't feel gratuitous. It feels like it's a story I'm genuinely interested in knowing about rather than something that's like, oh, okay, that happened. Fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Okay, And then we have an interview with Mark Hamill from Den of Geek, where he was on there to discuss his new show, which is called Nightfall, I believe. I think it's going to be on one of the cable channels. Um, although don't quote me on that um, but yeah a large portion of the interview ended up being about Star Wars which is kind of inevitable I guess when it comes to Mark Hamill um, and yeah he had some interesting and potentially um, incendiary comments to say so yeah I was thinking we could discuss a few of these um, yep. do you care to read out the first one Kirsty? sure
1: and just to say a lot of it is kind of stuff that he said before yeah so it's just it's noteworthy to me that he's kind of still saying these things because obviously now episode nine has filmed yeah so in his mind the trilogy is wrapped um he knows the fate of his character beyond the last jedi um so it's just interesting to read it with that context yeah the thing is luke changed so much between the first trilogy and the last trilogy i got myself into trouble I made a vow. I said that I'm not going to talk about the movies anymore because I think it's important for the audience to see them. My problem was I wasn't dealing with social media back then where you say something and it goes around the world in 24 hours. If I were to answer your questions on paper, I'd think, oh, that sounds like a a little strong or I shouldn't say this. But I have a tendency to just talk and talk and talk and you can cherry pick. You know, I'll be reading something and say, what moron said this and then realize, oh, it's me. (laughs) They can take selective comments you've made out of context and use it to support their argument. See, Mark hated Star Wars. Did I?
0: <laughs> I? I do like how self-aware Mark is, like which comes through very strongly in this. Because he knows what he's doing when he says these kinds of comments and he's aware of what the consequences are going to be. It's clear there's just something like innate in him that he finds it hard to turn off that basically means he runs his mouth and won't stay quiet about things. Yeah,
1: he's a talker. He's an extrovert. Yeah. And I, he has a lot of charisma, which I really enjoy in interviews. Yes. Um, I just... At this point, I'm a little sad when I hear Mark talking about the movies. And I think he knows how that comes across because he's saying like, oh, I, I made a vow to stop talking about them. But obviously he can't because it's his work. Yes. Um, and he's very attached to the character, understandably. He's played him for so many decades. But it it's got to the point now where I'm like... I'm a little sad for him because obviously things didn't go the way he wanted them to for the character. Yes. And that seems very important to him. Yeah. So it's just kind of hard to read.
0: Yeah. It's kind of tricky, isn't it? Because I like that he cares so much. You know, I think it's admirable that he has such passion for the character and for the like property and that he's really invested in it and feels this strong sense of responsibility for the things to be done in a certain way it's like the fandom itself you know there's that dangerous line between being passionate about something and feeling ownership of it and when you start to feel that sense of ownership to the point where if something doesn't go the way that you personally feel it should have that you feel betrayed or upset then that's where it becomes a bit of a problem but obviously that's like intensified to a huge degree when you're actually starring in the movie and it's your performance and your likeness on screen so yeah i can understand why he struggles so much of it
1: yeah i mean we should probably read these next quotes um to kind of talk about that further um i just thought luke's never going to see his best friend again you look at it in a self-centered way i said that it was a big mistake that those three people would never reunite in any way i guess i was wrong because nobody seems to care I have to stipulate that I care, but it didn't really seem to affect the larger audience. Luke, Han, and Leia will never be together again, and I'll probably never get to work with Harrison again. Then the second thing was that they killed me off. I thought, okay, you should push me my death off to the last one. That's what I was hoping when I came back. No cameos and a run of the trilogy contract. Did I get any of those things? Because as far as I'm concerned, the end of seven is really the beginning of eight. I got one movie. They totally hornswoggled me. <laughs> oh
0: god and again we
1: don't really get tone fully when it's a print interview like this and he is often joking yes but
0: i think there's an element of truth in there exactly i don't think it's purely farce when he says things like this um and yeah i can understand a sense of feeling a bit cheated on a personal level when you kind of have this idea that you're going to be the central figure across all three films. Well, I don't
1: think that's what he does think. That's the, that's the thing. Mm. He knows that Ray is the main character and it's about the newer characters. And he's talked before about how they're named the legacy characters yes. in comparison. So I don't think he did think that he was going to be the central hero across three movies like he already was.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but the idea of being cheated... That's quite harsh. Yeah. Because, yeah, that implies that they kind of tricked him into being in this trilogy when it's like, well, you didn't have to be. I'm sure they made you a very generous offer. Yeah. And and they also said that they were going to do, obviously, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they were going to do another trilogy whether those actors agreed to come back or not.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So obviously they've written it with the fact that those characters were going to be in it in mind once they agreed to come back. But if they hadn't, they would have written around that.
0: Yeah, exactly. They would have found other ways to tell the story. I think you're absolutely right in that I think Mark recognises that is not the story of Luke, Han and Leia anymore. I think there's just this struggle going on for him in that I'm not sure he thinks that was the best decision. Um, And I do sometimes get the impression from what he says that he thinks that those older characters should still be more in the spotlight than they actually ended up being. It's like we know for a fact that Mark Hamill thinks it would have been a badass idea if we're in The Force Awakens when we see the lightsaber trembling in the snow and then being plucked out of the ground and flying in someone's hand. Mark Hamill sincerely seems to think that the person who accepted the lightsaber in that moment should have been Luke, not Ray.
1: I can't overstate how much I hate that idea.
0: Yeah, I absolutely disdain it. I hate it so much.
1: I find it offensive.
0: Yeah, I think for me that would completely undermine the whole point of this new trilogy. And yeah, it's just like, I'm sorry, but those older characters, they had their trilogy. They had the spotlight. And I think it's ultimately just going to feel a bit repetitive and redundant if you try to restore them to the spotlight again in that sort of frankly cheap way by pulling those kinds of moves and yeah like honestly like I don't mean to sound harsh but when I see the sorts of suggestions that Mark Hamill has for the story and how he wishes things had gone I just like I'm just really glad he doesn't have a creative say of these movies Like I do think sometimes he has really good contributions because I haven't quoted it here because I didn't want us to talk about this for like two hours but one of the things he said is that he improvised certain things about that return for Luke to the Rebel base at the end of The Last Jedi so he improvised Luke winking at C-3PO and he improvised Luke kissing his sister on the on the forehead and I think those moments are lovely and I think they show what an actor can bring to scenes like that in terms of adding a personal touch and looking back to the history of those characters in a nice, fond, sincere way. And I think that was all very good and well done. But at the same time, in terms of the bigger motions of the plot, yeah, please keep him far, far away from them. So yeah.
1: Well, even the C3 moment, it's like presented as, well, that wasn't in the script. So I had to add that in because Ryan wouldn't have cared otherwise. And it's like, that's kind of the creative process for movies. A lot of things that have made it into the final film aren't in the script. Yeah. Um, and that's especially true for the original Star Wars movies. They improvised a ton, including lines. Yeah, exactly. And Oscar Isaac has come out and said that they're improvising on Nine, too. So that's not new or specific to to Luke or Mark, um, even though he might personally find those very important. Um. And yeah, going back to the, the moment where Mark, or Luke, <laughs> I should say, could have grasped the saber instead of Ray, I can't get over how damaging that would have been to Ray's arc and character. Yeah. Like, that's that's objectionable to me. And I think that's what's difficult about some of the things he says. It's not, even though he says stuff like, oh, well, I know I'm not the main character anymore, it's about the young characters, there's not enough said about those new characters and yeah. what Ray means to the trilogy, and the, the impact that Ray has on Luke yeah. over the course of the Last Jedi, which is huge, or well, the relationship between Luke and Kylo. He doesn't. He doesn't often talk about what the story is. He often talks about what it's not. Yeah. Um, which is a real shame, I think, because Ray's an amazing character. Yeah, and the implication there is that if Luke catches it, Rey doesn't, and that's just a big no for me
0: yeah my only hope is that once episode 9 has come out and the full story of the sequel trilogy is known then hopefully we'll get more engagement with what that story actually is in terms of these kinds of interviews because i do wonder sometimes if there's a hesitancy to talk about the actual story of the sequel trilogy because it's not finished yet and people are afraid of stepping on toes or saying the wrong thing so i do want to see more dialogue about it and more discussion um because yeah i agree with you at the moment it just feels like it doesn't really factor in at all and it's almost like there's a certain denial of it and i think there's plausible reasons for that denial at the moment but if it's still the same sorts of comments in two years it's like just no (laughs) please no
1: i mean it it has been years at this point yeah (laughs) and you know he i i understand like being a bit disappointed that luke han and leia never got that reunion but luke had an amazing scene with leia
0: yeah it's true
1: really his grievance with not being reunited with harrison that's with jj in the force awakens which is now four years old
0: yeah exactly it's like time to move on (laughs) Well, you
1: know, I, I do have a certain amount of sympathy for him.
0: Mm.
1: But I just don't know what benefit it has to keep rehashing these things. Because, I, and I, I don't think that this is Mark's responsibility. But the reality is, the way it works is that he says these things. And then within the hour, there are a million YouTube videos about how Mark's latest comments prove that Disney Star Wars is the worst thing ever. Yes. And I don't know if he realizes this. But a lot of the people who make those videos and watch those videos have harassed his castmates and Ryan Johnson and pushed Kelly off of Instagram. Yeah. And it's just terrible. Yeah. He has the right to say, I'm not happy with how the story went. Yes. And he has, many times. So I'm just interested to see at what point this gets nipped in the bud or if this is actually going to be a reality for the episode 9 tour as well. (laughs) Because it's like... You really are a bit too close to how Luke is in The Last Jedi here, like really grumpy and dissatisfied with your lot in life. Yeah. And he might be doing it with a smile on his face. It might it might be like, ha, yeah, this is just part of my shtick, but
0: Maybe the press tour for episode nine will be his redemption journey. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Uh yep, and then there's just one last quote I'd like to read out there's an interesting little mention in there.
1: Harrison was more prominent in the first of the sequels than I was more prominent and Carrie was meant to be more prominent in the third. I'm glad they found a way to do that. And something tells me that she'd get a real kick out of the fact that she had a hit movie years after she left us because that was just her. I like to think that would please her, but nothing will be better than having her here.
0: Like just to get over the doom and gloom of perhaps not being completely... um... (laughs) thrilled by some of the things that Mark Hamill says about the sequel trilogy Um, I do really like these comments and I think they're so true I think he's completely right about Carrie being like psyched about having this like epic hit movie after her passing because I do find that quite in character from what I know of her I obviously didn't know her personally Um, so yeah I think that's cool and yeah I just find it heartening to see Mark Hamill of all people say that they found a way to do it. As in making Carrie slash Leia more prominent in episode 9. Because we all know that she's going to be back in episode 9 and that they're going to feature her in some capacity. But I think because of the practicalities of the situation, there's obviously huge amounts of uncertainty over the extent of her participation in the film. So I think it's very promising that they've been able to work her in to what sounds like a significant degree I don't think we're just going to get a quick hologram and then nothing else she's clearly going to be a big presence
1: yeah and it will be amazing if they're able to make her the prominent legacy character as that was promised from the beginning yeah Um, because in a way Luke's dynamic with Rey and Kylo has not run its course there's still some stuff to do there but he can't be prominent as he was in The Last Jedi
0: yeah Exactly. So yeah, hopefully we're going to see Leia take the star and role in terms of those older legacy characters. Because I do think there's lots of clever ways to do it because it doesn't necessarily need to involve Carrie herself on screen. That will clearly be part of it. But I think it's also going to be about her presence in a much less literal way. Like what mm-hmm. impact does this character have on the other characters? How does she inspire them? How do they relate to her? All those sorts of questions definitely so yeah I'm very excited for it and yeah I, I think seeing it all come together with the carry stuff I think that will be very moving for everyone even Mark uh, right okay then we can move on to the next part which is about resistance and here I'll just quickly read a very brief summary of the episode this is about the episode called The Descent and, the synopsis, with secrets exposed, Yiga's crew must evade relentless troopers hunting them down and find a way to reach the Resistance. So, yeah, shit's getting real in Resistance, Kirsty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Same as last week.
0: Yep. Super, super real this time, though. <laughs> it was very yeah. intense. It's like, wow.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know where to begin. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing that Kaz came up with such a wild plan that worked. Because it sounds insane.
0: Yeah, it, seriously, when they first proposed, let, we need to sink the Colossus. I was like, you've got to be f- with me. Because uh, it's like, how is that even going to work? Because I literally had this vision in my head of there's no way that colossus can actually survive as a functional thing i thought so i'd kind of heard rumors about the sinking before the episode and i kind of thought that if it sunk then that'd be the end of the colossus we just wouldn't see it anymore though it was gone but evidently not the case they clearly have quite good systems in place to make Mm -hmm. sure that does not debilitate the whole setup so yeah impressed there's quite a lot of engineering going on in this episode
1: and Dozer is so desperate that he comes around surprisingly quickly.
0: Yeah, he's pretty chill with it, isn't he? <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. Like, okay, do it. Yeah, that's fine. So you you get these assholes off my tail. <laughs> and yeah, it's very expertly built up too, because you've got episode after episode of him being like, really passive-aggressive of the First Order. It's like, it's still my station! <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's really not at this point, is it? Um, oh dear. But yeah, you understand how pissed he is. So mm-hmm. yeah, all makes perfect sense. And, yeah, there's lots of really quite monumental character stuff going on in this episode. How, how about we have a talk about Tam, Kirsty?
1: I am just relieved uh, because I know people will know from our previous discussions that we had a bit of concern about where Tam's story was going and if it was going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, because, And I still maintain that for a good chunk of time, she wasn't given an awful lot to do, and I know part of that is to kind of set the stage for her becoming increasingly dissatisfied from, you know, being shut out of Jigar and Kaz's plans and not knowing what's going on and being lied to. Yep. But it meant that we didn't get an awful lot of development from her early on, and now it's it's clearly been building to what's going on now. Yeah. But it's kind of a shame that there still wasn't enough for her to do in those earlier episodes. Yeah. Um. But I'm just really excited to see where things are going now because it's really bringing a moral complexity to the story. Um, It's really relatable. And there's this lovely foil contrast between her and Kaz because as she discovers from what Agent Tierney says, who I also love, um, he's not a poor kid from Coruscant. He's a rich kid who grew up on Hosnian Prime with Senator parents and he's in the Resistance. And she, she just feels completely betrayed by him totally understandably
0: exactly i think it really makes you relate to tam in this really strong way because yeah we have been frustrated with how she's been depicted but i think what's now becoming abundantly clear is that they were actually setting up that frustration and annoyance in tam for very very specific reasons and it was to earn how she is now at the end of the season because it's completely earned. It feels completely natural. And to, to an extent. I kind of wish they'd done some other stuff. with her as well in those earlier episodes. And they did a little bit. It wasn't like she was only just like pissed off. All the time. But that was a lot of how she was characterised. But I think if they really pull it off. With where she goes. In the next few episodes. Like as they have been building towards. With the sort of conversations. Between Tam and Tierney. Then I think we're in for something really special.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because it's it's interesting that we're getting to the point where and Prime is going to be blown up. Yeah. So when that happens, is Tam aware of it? Mm. Um. Now she knows that Kaz grew up there. Is it going to have like a personal connection for her, or is she going to think that he deserves it because <laughs> he's been lying all this time and he's part of the resistance who are the enemy? Because from her perspective, like really, she. she doesn't believe that the First Order are necessarily in the wrong. Yeah. Even though she's heard these terrible things that they've done, she's managed to kind of gloss over it in her mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and because we know her backstory with the Empire and the lack of opportunity that her and her family had, that maybe the First Order is a tantalizing opportunity for her. Yeah. Where she can actually become a pilot or I mean, Agent Tierney is pretty clearly like playing good cop with her. Yes. Probably with... An end goal to recruit her.
0: Yeah, no, Tini is great, isn't she? She's she so is. competent. It's wonderful.
1: She is incredibly competent, and this actually <laughs> frustrates me when I think about it too much. Because you see these lower-ranking first-order officials, and you're like, "Wow, you should be running the show. You actually <laughs> know what you're doing. You have a calm head. Look at Hux and Kylo."
0: <laughs> so basically, the trust fund babies yeah. are messing everything up. Like, the Egypts they are. And yeah. t should just be in charge of everything.
1: Yeah. So, sorry, t but they're going to mess it up for you. It's like race loan, It's like these competent, amazing women. <laughs> they're not given the credit that they deserve. Yeah. They should be ruling the show, and then... I mean, I know it sounds weird, because the First Order's bad. <laughs> they should not be like, woo, <laughs> let's make them more competent. It's good that they all ultimately fail yeah, as yeah. a result of their higher-ranking officers, but, oh, well, yeah. poor lady. <laughs> She's just trying to do her job.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. You you can admire skill and accomplishment, which they certainly demonstrate in great abundance, I shall say. And yeah, I'm certainly on team Tam for first order, please. Which yeah, like I know feels bad, but I'm just gonna own it. Okay. <laughs> so
1: well, it could mean that there's like you know an arc there where she realizes that she's made a mistake and she makes things right yeah who knows they could take it in so many different directions
0: exactly there's lots of intriguing possibilities on that front and yeah i also need to say how much i love what happens at the end because obviously the whole object of sinking the colossus is to be able to get a signal through to the resistance and communicate what's been happening with the first order and they succeed and they get a message back from leia but leia's message is that they really just can't send help because they've their resources are too limited and then you get this amazing speech from Kaz at the end about the fact that no we're the resistance we can still do stuff even though they can't send help right now blah 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 that sort of thing and i just loved that speech so much because it felt so sincere and honest and earned in the context of everything else that had happened and i just really appreciated it because I was like, yeah, it would have been complete bullshit if Leia had been like, we're going to send a squadron of X-Wings to assist right now, you know, and I just admire that internal consistency they have going on over the fact that, yeah, of course, there's no one else available to help right now because prize is about to get blown up. You can need all the resources you can get, girl. <laughs> so. Well,
1: yeah, and they won't be able to do anything about that either.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a
1: powerful reminder that the Resistance is really this small, this desperate, and even though we've been watching the resistance and following the colossus it's a tiny little thing you know yeah like kaz was recruited by poe without any experience in this stuff so in terms of like the big picture colossus is small fry unfortunately
0: yeah. no absolutely
1: um so yeah that was that was really great and as you say very powerful for kaz's development because that's what finally got him to be like right well this is it. We're the resistance now. Yeah. Because no one's coming to save us. It's it's on us. And if you think about how far he's come since the beginning of this season, that's really amazing.
0: Yeah. No, it's a really remarkable arc that he's been on. And again, it feels so naturalistic and, earned. and he's a great character in my opinion.
1: And for Yeager as well to pick up the blasters and really go for it and then turn himself in. Yeah. Without Kaz realizing at first what's going on, that is so far removed as well from. Where he was at at the beginning when he was like, "Nope, Pope, not getting involved. I came out here to stay away from this stuff, and over time obviously he's realized that he has a part to play and he can't just sit back and pretend that nothing bigger is going on in the galaxy he has to do he has to do something about it
0: yeah, exactly. right, do we have any other thoughts about this episode
1: um I mean, well, Senara was in it.
0: Yes! Oh my god, how did I forget about Sonara? There's
1: a lot going on. I wish I'd done a better job with notes because it's inevitable that we're going to miss some things, but we just see Sonara quickly as um, the pirates are intercepting the message that Kaz sends to Leia. Yeah. And what does that mean? Because it sounds, I don't know, obviously we didn't like get anything from her, but she had a very worried expression and it kind of gave me the impression that the pirates would somehow come back and maybe help them.
0: Yeah. No, which would be epic. I would love that. And also it shows that Sonara cares. Which is not a shock, but it's good to see it go back to her, even if only for that brief moment, just to remember that yeah, no Sonara and Kaz they're really close and she's invested in him, so of course she's could be worried if he's in a sticky situation like this.
1: Yeah, I was very happy about that.
0: Yeah. No, so it's awesome. And yeah, just great episode all round and I cannot wait to see the next one okay right then so we will now veer into a spoilery discussion of the shareholder footage that we discussed at the start of the show so this will just be about discussing the potential implications that some of those little tidbits have in relation to information we've heard about episode 9 from other sources so yep here is the spoiler siren
1: I shouldn't do it
0: okay so in relation to plot stuff the thing from the shareholder footage that strikes me as most significant is probably the footage of Ray Finn Poe and potentially Chewie depending on whose report you trust in the cockpit together because that does tie into a whole bunch which is to say several different people of other reports about how Finn, Poe, Ray, and Chewbacca all end up on the desert planet which is to say Wadi Rum and there's been lots of reports from there about them being under fire and being caught up in explosions and stuff and there's also been a report from Jason Ward of Making Star Wars that was concerned with Finn, Poe and Ray all like reuniting in the context of a festival or something again potentially on the sandy planet and yeah again it's very difficult to place where specifically things are happening but i would bet on these things all surrounding the general sequence involving that sandy planet which i know is not a huge like oh revelatory moment but i think it's probably interconnected somehow
1: that is interesting as well, because, again, this is me speculating, and it could be completely wrong, but with Ray insisting that it's too dangerous, and Poe insisting that he comes, and then something hugely emotional going down in that big filming chunk, which John Boyega talked about on Instagram, and yes. then suddenly Oscar's not filming anymore, mm. or at least not visibly, yes. from our understanding. He could have been, but we we're, we don't have any information on that. Yeah. What happens to Poe?
0: Yeah, I'm becoming a bit concerned about Poe, to be honest. I'm sure we'll probably get something as soon as like the first proper trailer comes out that demonstrates that he's in the movie in quite a full capacity. You know, he'll be like on a completely different environment. And it's like, okay, that's probably from later in the movie. But I, I must say that if we don't see anything from him beyond being on like the grassy setting that we know he was filming on for very early in the film and then being on the sand planet, where we know that apparently a lot of shit goes down and there's explosions and bad stuff happening all around, basically. If we don't see any footage of him outside of those sorts of environments, I'm going to be a little bit... about what might be becoming of him, basically.
1: Yeah, that's going to get a bit worrying. Yeah. But then we don't have anything of Rose yet, either, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, It's tempting to fill in the gaps and think oh well that must mean that this happens but yeah always possible that we're wrong
0: exactly and is it like schrodinger's cat or something like it's just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't actually exist (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i'm intrigued by the reports of all those characters being together and another thing that stands out to me, and again, this is going to sound morbid and conspiratorial of me. Oh God, but... what now? <laughs> I'm so sorry. But the mention of Ray using Chewie's bowcaster.
1: Oh no. And
0: like, like just No. He- just hear me out. Just hear me out. Okay. Like, I know it's going to be like, no, 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 no. Um, but there's also been another report of C-3PO wearing Chewie's bandolier. And... But I thought...
1: Junus was on set that last day which I know is not necessarily they were filming the last scene yes but presumably something quite late in the movie
0: like again this is why this is all speculation so in all probability Chibi gets through everything he's fine But it's just intriguing to me that two different characters would be using items that we know are associated very strongly with Chewie. It might just be that he's borrowing them or that he's got his own different gear for whatever reason. Because, again, Han in The Force Awakens, he used Chewie's bowcaster. That did not mean that Chewie was dead. So, like, it could mean anything. And to be honest, from a cynical perspective, I'd be shocked if they, like took him out of the films because he's basically an immortal character you know because I love Peter Mayhew and I love Eunice but as long as you've got a guy of the right height who can learn the right mannerisms he can always be in any Star Wars movie like 200 years from now Chewbacca could still be in the Star Wars movies whereas it would be tougher to pull off like Ray, you know because obviously Daisy really wouldn't be around Um, and Yeah, so I don't think he's a goner, but I just found that notable when I saw that little detail mentioned about the footage.
1: I'm really upset now.
0: Sorry, Kirsty. (laughs) I'm
1: serious. If they killed Chewbacca, I will be absolutely devastated.
0: Yeah, it would be a blow. Like, actually, let me put a question to you. Would you be more upset if they killed Chewbacca or Poe?
1: Well, if I think about the reactions of the other characters, I'm not sure I could handle Finn learning that Poe was dead Mm. either yeah like that's just too horrible
0: i think it would be very very brutal it would be a lot to take if they killed off either of those characters to be honest and i don't think it's necessary for a franchise like star wars so i see for some movie franchises there's almost this expectation that you have to make it like real and hardcore by having a character die or something and it's like no you you just have a good intense story and that's enough um so obviously the shareholder talked about Kylo looking at the helmet in a white room and he looks like he's having a bad day.
1: Yeah, that lines up with what Jason, again, at Making Star Wars has said about the sh- him having that new ship and Vader's helmet being on it, right? Yes. It's almost like he had access to this footage because that's pretty much what it shows us.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Jason Ward wrote the following. Um, Sorry, so in his podcast, Jason Ward reported that Kylo supposedly has a new ship. It's white with red and black details. It has some cool gadgets. Supposedly Vader's helmet is on that ship. So yeah, that seems pretty unequivocal that they're talking about the same things, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that kind of clear up the mystery of where that scene was taking place because obviously the people viewing the footage they obviously didn't know what which setting it was happening in so it seemed like a pretty vanilla white location and that could be anything so yeah it's good to know that it's probably in the ship but again we will see it's interesting that he would want it to be so portable <laughs> so he's clearly not setting up home anywhere let's put it that way he wants it to be available to him at all times Um which again it's a curious choice it's a very Kylo choice because yeah Gets attached with stuff he does. He's a collector.
1: Well, of this one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, of this one thing, and probably anything else of his granddad's that he could get a hold of. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then there is an interesting lineup potentially between that report of Daisy doing wire work, jumping and turning a somersault high up in the air with a lightsaber. Because this potentially ties into a report from making Star Wars that refers to there being a final battle with zero gravity.
1: Yeah, I was trying to work out if this final battle is more him talking about like a battle between ships rather than force users. Yeah. It's not clear, is it?
0: Yeah, it's not clear. Um but yeah, if they are having Daisy on those wires to simulate zero G, it looks like it's definitely gonna involve force users. But Again, I'm sure she'll be doing like elaborate flips and like fancy moves. We also have reports of Daisy doing wire work in on location in Jordan, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's part of this supposed zero g battle scene, but it could be. (laughs) Could could be the she she was on wires
1: in the Last Jedi as well when Snoke was torturing her.
0: Yeah, exactly. So again these sorts of conversations that can only ever truly be like waffly and like well it could be this and it could be related to this but it also couldn't be um but yeah just to place a few of these things into a little bit more context hopefully people found that interesting uh yeah do you have any other observations for anything Kirsty?
1: i don't think so for me mainly it was the ship thing with kylo because the news of him getting a white and red ship is so striking it's it's unexpected for me yes um because of what we've heard about his costume being quite similar to what how it's been before i thought that other things might say the same too but this is almost like oh well i'm supreme leader now so i should get a brand new ship with different <laughs> colors to distinguish myself
0: it's so funny isn't it it's like bless him it's really gonna stand out like a saw farm as well
1: <laughs> but yeah that's another thing it's like wouldn't you like to be a little more incognito <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, can you imagine if the First Order has, like, a branding team? They'd be, like, throwing fits, you know? Like, oh no, the Supreme Leader wants a white and red ship, oh god! You know, it'd literally be like a nightmare from an aesthetic slash design point of view. <laughs> because it just would not fit in at all. It would just be so deeply incongruous. Yeah, just a massive nightmare.
1: I know, Snoke's escape pod, we never saw it, but that could have been gold. <laughs> yes! So.
0: Like, obviously, in a way, I'm glad that Kylo's basically going to look the same that he did in The Last Jedi, so it's a pretty good look. But, God, just seeing him in Gold Lame, it would have been quite the trip, you know? I would have welcomed that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sad mm-hmm. times. Uh, yeah, but I think that brings us to the end of the show. Is there any closing remarks you want to add, Kirsty?
1: Um, I don't think so, just that we're so close to getting more solid stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's tantalising to get these little things and like make connections as we can. That's the thing, it's all stuff that's going to be important once we actually see it within the story, but it's impossible to say so now.
0: Exactly. We're feeling around in the dark. <laughs> yep, so I'm Rachel. You can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where could people find you, Kirsty?
1: I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!